again if this is your first time listening to the move swiftly podcast welcome to the show i am glad to have you i know you're gonna be back for more to my regular listeners history is in the making there's two things there's two things about this particular interview one this is officially the fifth the fifth author from athlete to entrepreneur i gotta give shout outs to taj i gotta give shout outs to self-publish in 30 days darren palmer the whole team this is number five the fifth author in the book the volume one athletes entrepreneur this is the fifth person that's been on this show the second thing is she's from the dmv you know how we do in the dmv it's cut we going back to the crib on this one i mean i i don't want to run through everything i'm going to let her kind of talk a little bit about her background but you know it, it's one of those things where when you really focus in and you lock in on a certain lifestyle you just run into like-minded people and just continue to grow and grow and grow so with that miss audrey Codner Gibson. Welcome to the Move Swiftly podcast. How are you? I am great. Thank you for the intro. and Thank you for having me on here. This is awesome. My pleasure. My pleasure. And, and like I mentioned, you were, I didn't mention this one in the intro, but in the intro, but you were a basketball player from the DMV. So that yeah. kind of makes the, the, the listeners, and I hope you really understand the stock just rose a little bit because, you know, we <laughs> in the DMV, when it comes to basketball, we run shit. We, I'm just going to put it out there right there. We run shit. We are the best when it comes to basketball specifically. If you want to debate me, then, you know, come. We, we could do it. We could do it for real. <laughs> All right. Straight come up. find him. Women, come find him. Men, we run shit when it comes to basketball. So with that, yes. I think the, the best place to start this interview is to just talk a little bit about your basketball playing career, where you played and, and you know, where you played in high school and college. And we're going to get to the transition because I really want to get to what you put in the chapter is really some emotional stuff. So can you just talk a little bit about your background as a player? Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from Philadelphia, um, born and raised, and I'm not going to sing the rest of the song. Um, and I started playing basketball later in life compared to some people, they just come right out the womb playing basketball. For me, I just started in my ninth grade year and I wanted to do something different. I was six foot. So a lot of people were like saying either you could be a model or a basketball player. And since I was not about that carrot salary life, um, I decided, let me go into basketball. And my ninth grade year was horrible. Um, I made the team, which I was shocked. Um, I remember after our first practice, I went to the coach and I asked him, you know, there were so many girls that were out here that tried out. There was so much better than me. Hmm. Why'd you pick me? And he said, you can't teach height and just walked away. <laughs> hmm. wow. And I was like, all right, props to the height. Thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. Um, but it just, it was like, not until like my last game, um, I swear, I think my JV coach had like 
he was probably had a drinking problem just because he had to deal with me because I was the project. And our last game we played, and I actually played defense, and I actually scored, and everyone in the gym was cheering. And once I heard that, I was hooked. I was like, wow, wow. this is something that I can really get myself into and went to camps and, you know, practice. And this is the days when the camps used to give you those big, thick packets of all the drills that you did in camp. And right, right. I remember my mom dropped me off at the courts and went through that whole packet. And before you know it, my junior year, we're talking, we won our Catholic League championship. Um, and I had like 125 schools recruiting me. So now, what, if anyone- what, uh, what high school was it? Um, Cardinal Doherty. And this was in Philly? This was in Philly. Oh, geez. Wow. I thought it was, I thought you were from Maryland. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I'm starting to be a regular because I've lived here for over 30 years. So it's that's almost it like, is. yeah, that's you, what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. So yeah. So sorry for the oversight. All right. So you were born in Philly. And like I said, Philly got some pretty great ball players too. So between yeah. Philly, New York and, and us, Maryland, right. I think the, just the ball playing. So it's pretty much the same. Anyway, it's North Northeast. You know, as long as it's the Northeast battles, like we, no matter yeah. what, that's the difference. Like we just put our heart and soul on the court, regardless of how old we are. So <laughs> actually a, um, a guy named Dre Baldwin, he's from Philly too. Mm -hmm. He was on the show as well. And I was, I'm a part of his business mastermind. So actually he'll probably love hearing that. Cause I'm over, we, we kind of go back and forth about who, who really got the better ball players. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the sneak tip, yeah, a little, little Philly thing. But okay, right. we're gonna let and it go. Well, you know what's crazy is, and, and this this is a point I really want to make to my the listeners now. When you grow up, no one cares, guys. Right, <laughs> right, cares. Right. And we're gonna get to that point. No one really cares about how good you are and all your stats, and we're getting to that point. So that's yes. why I love the fact that we actually having this kind of thing organically happen because we'll debate. Like I used to get into so many of these debates about who got the better this, better football, basketball, whatever. And then, you know, playing ended, no one really gave a shit, exactly. you know, and that's really what that's really what what the cool thing about it is, is we get a chance to tell the young people about that through this show. There you go. I mean, that's what that's what it is. And mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter when you start. It's almost like, what did you do and what can you look back on as you right. finish? So right. then you can move forward and move in that right direction so you can like accomplish whatever you want to accomplish amen sister so sorry so you have all these schools recruiting you yes. you know you're in, in this say the name of the school again in high school um cardinal doherty it's yeah, no cardinal it's doherty. no longer in existence so it's like a rare commodity now oh you know that yeah, that did actually down. happen um with uh montrose christian mm -hmm. with Kate, kevin durant school same thing yep. and again that's a we're, that's another topic we probably go in hours when it comes to that but uh, yeah, yeah go ahead <laughs> i'll let you continue with your story because yeah, there's a lot of politics when it comes to that uh, now yeah so you're being recruited and stuff like that go ahead yeah and finally i got it down to the top three in my mm -hmm. eyes it was uh, st joe's university um richmond and um georgetown and i went with st joe's um for some reason like recruiting i just wanted someone that was going to be real and not say oh we're going to promise you this we're going to promise you that and right. he was basically my match for me so like for all your listeners if they're thinking about the whole recruiting don't just go for the coach you know yeah. go for what you want to do what you want to accomplish and knowing your integrity and of course after my freshman year he left 
(laughs) And so that's another reason why I say don't go for the coach because coaches leave, you know, one minute they're here next minute they go elsewhere. And of course my second choice um, was the head coach and three years of blood, sweat and tears, but I, I rose above the call my sophomore year and my junior year senior year was rough, you know, working on that whole transitioning got opportunity to go overseas and play. And that's what I did. I played for like four years. I was in Sweden, Luxembourg for a couple of times, England for a couple of times, Iceland, Germany for a brief moment in Ireland for a brief moment. And after that came back home and was just confused. And that's probably where we can lead into with the book because that's where my chapter came in. Um, It was basically about my last time playing. Um, and it also fed into something later on as I transitioned into an entrepreneur. It was just like, you know, this is my last time someone's going to try to walk all over me. So it was just like a combination of two things. So that's what my chapter kind of instilled in as well. And now I'm working as an online tutor. Uh, believe it or not, everyone's like, how'd you get from basketball to tutoring? I went to school mm-hmm. um, to be a second ed. So basically I teach high school math and loved it and I was coaching as well Uh and when I was in Arundel High School we actually won our state championship in 2010 those girls loved it a lot of those girls went to D1 schools um, Uh Louisville Vanderbilt Virginia I mean we were just like the powerhouse of Anne Arundel County and then we just moved on and after a while left there went to Baltimore City so I can you know teach more and plus be closer to home because this was a time when gas prices was almost six dollars and yeah my paycheck was going to gas so (laughs) I had to be honest with myself after that left uh, went into the department of um, juvenile justice so I was at as we call it baby bookings off of gay street for 13 months believe it or not loved it those young men, I wish the world can see what I saw every day. And I saw respectful young men that came in. And at first they weren't sure of me, but after a while they were just like, oh, you actually say what you do and you do as you say. And I'm like, yes, I do. And I'm like, I'm gonna respect you, you respect me. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, went back to Baltimore City and then COVID hit. And now I'm just an entrepreneur doing my thing and loving it and trying to actually do a pivot on my tutoring and try to help young men and young women, not only through the process of recruiting, but Mm -hmm. also with just being an athlete. Like what are some of the things using my expertise, using some of my experiences to help them through the process because I went through what they're going through. So I think it's kind of helps when they have someone that they can relate to and just basically talk with each and every day. So that's where I'm at right now. You know, I, I want to back up a little bit because you, in your book, and I'm going to, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this uh, fourth paragraph. It says, 
well, not your book. Well, it's your book basically, but you're a contributing author. It's not your full book, but you're a contributing author. And you're, I have, by the way, I have, it's highlighted and there's tons of highlights in your chapter. But the first thing I highlighted, they said athletes are tossed away to the bottom of the chest, waiting for a moment to come out and be played with again. The yeah. crazy thing is, I was that toy. I was that athlete. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to, and, and as I, also, I speak to athletes quite a bit as well. When it comes to communicating that with them and giving them that reality, what would you say is the best approach? Because it's very difficult to tell someone who is sky high and, you know, is kind of brushing up like, yeah, yeah, whatever. How do you drive that point home to the, to the ones that are very swell-headed? Well, it takes time. It's mm-hmm. not a one and done type of conversation because like you said, their heads are pretty small. They're already like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's not until they get into say their freshman year in college. That's when it's going to hit them when they're mm-hmm. no longer the big fish in a small pond. Like when they go to college, everybody was the big fish of their school. And now you got to learn to compete. And now you got to learn how to associate and a lot of people, a lot of these kids are not going to realize that until a little bit later. And I know that, but as long as I keep putting that thought in their head and just saying, you know, keep playing for you, make sure you network, make sure you like you're using college, like you're using your athletic ability to get a college degree. You're not going to college just to play a sport. So it's almost like you have to figure out how you want to network, how you're going to poise it. So for me, it's just a mm-hmm. conversation because I know this is not when I do have these um, conversations with my students. Right. I know it's a relationship. Like I'm going to be with you as long as you're breathing, as long as I'm breathing. Right. So I think as long as they know that, oh, there's someone here and they do get into a situation, they're like, oh, wait, Miss Argie was telling me about that. Oh, how did you know that was going to happen? I'm like, because I went through it. Um, just like the same with parents, like parents will do as much as they can to protect their kids, but they still want to put their hand in a fire. No matter how many times you tell them you're going to get burnt and they Mm -hmm. still put the hand in the fire until they experience it themselves. They're going to need that support. Like after they burnt their hand, now you're going to be able to nurse that burn. As long as it's constantly said, eventually it's going to kick in. I don't know when it is, but I'd rather them say, oh, I heard somebody say this to me before instead of be clueless when it actually happens. And where do you, I guess, where do you kind of draw the line of being taken advantage of? Because there, in, in my experience, doing exactly what you said, there's a lot of parents out there that would just kind of, use you for for as a resource and then they get their scholarship and then they forget you or they they go on and do they, they move on and then they forget you where are you like where do you make it so your voice gets louder and, and that you establish some some sort of discipline with the with the athletes for the most part now that mm-hmm. i'm dealing with mostly 18 year olds sometimes it, we see yeah. each other on facebook we see each other on instagram or maybe they even text and sometimes i'll mm-hmm. just text them and say hey how you doing what's going on and right. a lot of them and i'll even say the same thing to the parents because i think i always tell them that this is a relationship and if you don't want this relationship anymore that's fine 
Right. You know, you have a choice. You're not stuck with me. <laughs> like he says, you have to be. I want you right. to want me to be in the whole situation. So that's right. how we kind of keep in touch and keep that communication alive. Because I think once sometimes I'll reach out and I'll text them like, hey, how you doing? They're like, oh, hey, how's it going? It might take a couple of days for a response back, but at least I get a response back. Got it, got it, got it. And and also, it, it's it, it, to me, it's just very important that you tell these powerful stories. And, and you, do, you do a fantastic job in telling some stories. And the thing that got me, that, that really struck me, because I'm a, I have a background in fitness, is how you use this term in your chapter. You said you were traded like a slave. You know, you said you were expected to go there in, in Europe. And this was your final, this was the last time you ever dribbled a basketball. Like mm-hmm. you really, you really did a good job putting the imagery and I felt like I was in Europe at the gym and all that. But guys, go get the book. If you ever got the book, please get the book. Athlete to Entrepreneur, please get a copy of that. All right. But what you said in the book in terms of you going there, you're this hot shot, you think you're going to be playing pro ball and you found out you have to live with your coach. And mm-hmm. then you find out that you the deal was cut in which you work for this fitness center and you're only getting paid. You know, that was just part of the arrangement. And then you find out that they wanted somebody else in there and they don't even let you, didn't even let you practice one last time. Nope. You know, can, can you speak a little bit about that? Oh, uh heartbreaking every time I think about it every time I write about it once in a while crack the book open and just read it again it's heartbreaking because my mom my parents didn't even know you know Mm -hmm. I kept all this stuff to myself but of course mom was the first person to get the copy of the book and the very oh my gosh she read it that was the first time you know that was the first time because I I'm a very private person so when she read it Later on that day, she's like, oh, I got the book. I'm like, okay. And all of a sudden the phone rings and I was tutoring. So I had to like call her later. And she was like, oh my goodness. I didn't know you went through all of this. Why didn't you tell me? And it's like, oh, make sure you tell your kids to talk to their parents. But I'm like, mom, you have to understand when kids, when it gets to that point, when they're either being recruited, they're playing, whatever, they're trying to be adults. Mm-hmm. And they want to handle things on their own. It's great to know that you are there as support, but sometimes they don't want to say anything because they don't want you to worry. They're going to worry. Like, I'm a worrier anyway. Then I'm going to mm-hmm. worry about you worrying. That's not going to help anything. That's just going to cause more anxiety and more stress. Mm-hmm. So when I was overseas, uh, I mean, it was just like, okay, they called me in, you know, the whole thing, the team's playing. I'm like, why is the team practicing? Okay. And literally like something just told me to turn around and the person that they were like crying about was there in my practice gear mm. with, with my supposed teammates. And basically they knew ahead of time that she was going to come and they were trying to do it on a sneak tip. Like, okay, we're just going to tell you to leave. Go ahead and leave. And I'm just like, I didn't understand what was going on. And then plus, I knew I wasn't getting paid what I was promised because, oh, well, you're working at the fitness center. And I'm like, well, their fitness centers are different from ours. Like, I felt like mm-hmm. I was a stewardess of a air, airline because I had to dress up in a dress shirt and a skirt and be like welcoming people in like i wasn't like say a fitness instructor or anything right right and it's nothing where you could work out and do something that's conducive to your game 
exactly like i had to do that you know differently so it was just a matter of as soon as i got off the plane it was just like we're go 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 it didn't matter if you were tired they didn't care it was just like okay we have a opening for a supermarket oh we, we got a new basketball um who put in oh we need for you to step in be in front of the camera and i'm like dude we have a game in like 10 minutes yeah yeah it's not gonna take long oh my goodness i'm like just like running around like it didn't matter what you said okay we want you to coach our junior national team i'm like okay when's that happening oh that's happening at this time i'm like all right so how am i going to get there when you gave me a car that is broken down you know, I, I have no funds to put gas in it if I wanted to, even if it was mm-hmm. working. So they're like, oh, we'll give you a bus card. So, of course, the buses stop running at a certain time. So, of course, after junior national practice, I'm walking home. That's the one part I didn't put in the, in the book. I'm walking home yeah. and it's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm a crazy six foot one American walking around walking home and no family, you don't you don't know anyone. no family no, no family. don't know anyone it was just crazy and it wasn't like this in every area some of the areas was but what kept me going was mm-hmm. the love of the game i yeah. came to play and that's what i did that was my job but that was my love that was my passion that's what kept me going is that I got to put this ball in my hand and then show other people who I am. And I always had to represent. So the one place that was truly a home for me and it still is, is my friends that I, was, that I had in Iceland. You would never mm-hmm. know that Iceland was the best place. Loved it. Loved Iceland. Still to this day, I still talk to those guys. Um, but it was a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge. Like it's not... It's not easy, guys. It's really not because especially for female athletes, it's like they treated the women like nothing, but they treat the men like kings and Mm -hmm. like they will get bonuses for getting more than 10 rebounds. They'll get a bonus or if they got like three or five assists, they'll get a bonus. And I'm like, how are you guys getting these bonuses? I'm like, you're playing the game and you're getting an extra bonus for doing what you're supposed to do. And they're like, yeah. How come I can't get that? And I'm glad you said that because there's so many people that don't know the realities of pro ball Mm -hmm. and they run around, especially now, you know, I live in Florida now and these athletes, they think they're going to go pro and they think they want to go pro and they forego their academics. They they just kind of blow it off because they think, and sadly they get support with that. They get support from parents and things like that. And another thing that really, really, really strikes me with you is that you personally have experienced, I believe you said three suicides in terms of, and if I'm not mistaken, these were athletes, these were people that the pressure got too thick. If, if you can speak on that yes. as well, because I want, I want the listeners to understand, this is not a joke. It's not a no. game, no. all right? I get no. that the game is meant to be fun, but listen to me, this is life and death and it's serious because yes. of the pressure, the immense pressure that we put on these young people. And it starts with us. It starts with us as adults. It starts with us as former athletes, making sure we're building a coalition, making sure we're building a team, making sure we're doing everything we possibly can to get the information out to you guys so you don't have to live through these things, all right? Yes. If, if, if her story is telling you anything, 
Make sure you do your research. Okay, when's the contract? Make sure you get an agent. Make sure you do all of the little things so you don't end up in a place where, oh, yeah, I'm playing pro ball, dog. You know, I'm, I'm going overseas in a couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. then next thing you know, you get there, and it's not, and your Completely ego doesn't, different. you know, you don't want to put it out there. So, uh, again, I'm going on a rant. but uh, <laughs> No, but that's the rant that needs to be heard because I'm everyone thinks you. that you're going to be flowing with money. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be probably living in a mansion and all this other stuff because right. you're going to treat me good. And you in like a one-bedroom little shack. <laughs> <laughs> where you're like six foot and you can't barely your head touches the ceiling but mm-hmm. going back to my young people yeah um it was hard i'm i'm still i still get emotional about this because that's how much i really do care about my student athletes there for years and there were three different young men different places um different parts of my life that they were told, as long as you keep a ball in your hand, you're going to do it. You're going to make it. You know, you're going to be our golden ticket out of here. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to buy me a car. You're going to be able to do this. And, you know, they played. They played club sports. They played when they were little kids. They played in middle school. They played on their high school teams. And that's where we all met. And they were able to play overseas. I'm mean, not overseas. They were able to play in, in college. But once they graduated from college, that was it. Like there was no, hey, come for our NBA tryout. There was no, there was no discussion. There was no plan because like you said, they have it so engraved in their heads Mm. that you're the best. You'll be able to do this. You're going to be able to play in the pros. You're going to go to that whole agency. Everything is going to be there. And then that transition of life after sports basically hit them harder because it happened sooner than they were expecting it and they didn't know how to adjust and they could be surrounded and they had friends you know they had mm-hmm. friends that are like you know always talking to them yo that's all right you can work with me we can go in here and they're always trying to support them but when your dream for the longest time was to do this and you did what everyone told you to do because they said this is going to be the next step mm-hmm. and that next step doesn't happen you don't know what goes on in people's minds mm-hmm. you don't know the sadness you don't know the loneliness because even the athletes when we go back after we're done with our game and we head back to wherever our dwelling is our apartments and so forth it's quiet. Then you have to understand who are you mm-hmm. without basketball? Who are you without swimming, without any kind of sport? Who are you? And in the beginning, you have a good sense who you are. But as life continues on, things change. And then you get so engulfed with basketball because that's what we do. When you go into college, they just care about winning. Basketball, football are the major money makers of all colleges. Mm-hmm. Now, here we go. They're going to practice. You're going to practice every time. You're going to have games every time. You're going to have your skill workouts. Yeah, you're going to have some classes you have to go to. But these coaches and these programs, right. they will use every bit of your skill work as possible. And once yeah. they're done with you, it's just like, you know, working in a factory. They'll give you a clock and a piece of chicken. Instead, for mm-hmm. us, they'll give you a, a trophy, maybe a picture of your action shot, 
and maybe a blanket or something silly like that. And then they're done with you. You and know, I, I, I love what, I hate to cut you off on that, but yeah. I, I love what you said earlier about not doing it for the coaches. Right. You know, and I want to I want to go back to that and clarify that because it's not not caring about the coaches. I've been around some incredible, incredible right. coaches that have taught me a lot. But your your focus should be on the things you're learning as a player. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. So as a player, you have to be there on time. We, I, when I was at Carson Newman, we had this thing called Eagle time. All right. Mm-hmm. Five minutes early. We had to be there five minutes early. I've been yelled at for not being for, for being not early enough. I was yelled at for being two minutes early. <laughs> all right. Now I, I'm in the real world and I see people showing up when they feel like it, all this kind of stuff and how it throws off everything. So just that one thing, you know, and this was the late great coach Sparks, just that one thing, hold on to those moments and understand what you are willing to do and how much of an advantage you're getting in the real world. Right. It's not a matter of saying, okay, well, I don't care about this coach because I, that could be that could be the way you're taking it. But care about your coach and all that, but really understand it's you putting in the work, not the coach. Exactly. You're the one putting in the work. I had a coach in high school who'd always run around talking about, well, yeah, I got this one signed uh, to this one. I got this one a scholarship. Not don't, that that's not the kind of thinking I'm talking about. I'm talking about you were the one on the tape as a player, right. and that's going to build the confidence that you need. There's a lot of coaches who do that, and that in that many ways can be the problem. And the focus now, especially with, I'm sure with social media, it's probably even becoming more and more of a problem. But the, the focus should be on the work you're putting in and what you're willing to do. And that's going to be the thing that propels you into the next phase of your life. If you hone in on that, I'm telling you, your transition will not be as rough. It's going to be rough. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, oh, yeah. but you're, it won't be as rough if you hone in on what you're willing to do now. Right. And it is the work, but also make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that understands what you're working for. What are you mm-hmm. working towards? Mm-hmm. And sometimes like people just have to make that decision. You know, you might have to leave your friends. You might have to leave some relationships, but if it's something that you really want to do and you know, it's going to be something that's going to change, be like a change maker. Do yes. It. Do yes. It. Yes. And actually, that leads me to the next point. I mean, you started alluding to it earlier, but can you please just tell people what's next, what's coming down the pipeline? I know you said you wanted to do something more with your tutoring business. Just kind of talk about what we can see in the future. Well, um, one, I'm basically doing a lot with my videos. Um, I'm currently doing a YouTube channel and it's becoming auto and auto is my nickname. So I'm basically trying to show people how to go through it. Like I understand, I'm showing my understanding with it and just having those discussions of, especially like for female athletes, I have an event coming up next Wednesday, which is on the 9th, um, eight o'clock Eastern standard time. And mm-hmm. we're talking about raising a female athlete. So it's like myself and like four other people that were a former athletes as well. Just going to talk about how to raise like a female athlete and just some of the things that I've seen on um, Facebook groups that people have discussions about, like, why is my child, all her ankles are always bad. And I'm like, childbearing hips, you know, our anatomy is different. And just having like those discussions about how female athletes are being treated and what can we do to keep that competition alive and keep that fire alive within us. And in addition to it, just keep having more live events and having some more Q and A's and especially monthly. 
and mm-hmm. just, you know, keep on the lookout for other things. Uh, I'm always open for opportunities and never know. I'm working on a next collab book. Um, I'm going to be working on that, but I'm putting everything together. So Taj and I can kind of put that out there and we're just going to move forward. I just really just want to, and if I may be so blunt, just, I want to save a life. I don't want to go to another funeral. I don't want to have another GoFundMe. I want to get everyone informed as much as possible so they can not only enjoy being an athlete, but know how to pass that information on to future athletes. That's it. That's it. And I love how you just put it bluntly, save a life, because that's exactly what you're doing. That's exactly what you're all about, sister. You just keep keep spreading the good word, man. You got my support. I'm here. I'm, I'm enjoying the journey. I know you're going to be doing some great things, man. So the you have, you've listened. I know you mentioned you listened to a few episodes. Uh, the way I close it all out, the way I close out the show, is I want you to use your imagination, all right? I want you to really think about who you are now and then go back to the moment in which you, I believe you opened an envelope, you were flying back from Europe, you opened an envelope, you expected there to be money there and it was just a good riddance. <laughs> you know, you were as low, you were as, low as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And I want you to pretend that that girl just kind of came in the Zoom meeting and she's here. Just speak to that girl a little bit, give, give, and we'll close out. I mean, I want to talk to her and, and I wish I can curse as much as I want to. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're allowed to curse. Go ahead. Do your thing. Do your thing. This is the Moose Simply podcast. You're allowed to. Right. Defend. And I'm just like, girl, fuck them <laughs> because you are going to be doing so much better because right now your head is down. You're in an airplane. You feel cramped. You don't have any money to help your family out. But now, Look at what you've done. You're helping out a lot of student athletes, not only academically, but also athletically. And you're saving some of these kids. Some of the kids that you get are looking low. The kids that you're about to get, you're going to change so many things. So right now, take that letter, crumple it up, throw it away, because you have so much greatness that's coming before you. Things that you may not understand now, but later on, it's going to open up a whole new world that now your purpose, your God's purpose is really going to shine and the world is going to appreciate you. Mm-mm-mm. Man, I love it. I love it. I love that. Man, I'm right. Now you got me ready to roll. All right. <laughs> All right. Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. How will I be my sin? I ask them for it. I know they still have some evil purpose in mind. <laughs> Wanna let me? Oh, yes. I'm not sure if I really live to see tomorrow Living in this world of conflicts and sorrows But it's like old as gunmen strike bold And the wicked people work is taking off like an arrow I wonder if I will see tomorrow Living in this world of conflicts and sorrow But it's like old as gunmen strike bold And wicked people work is taking off I'm not afraid to die but pray to live until death It's not hard for you to guess what will happen Heartaches and pain, works upon godliness Some don't know why them are live, that's why them have to earn the flesh But who I say, tell me, ones I represent I struggle with fear as I experience How them do them dirty works, do it
face the consequence They build walls instead of bridges It's ridicule Then war with whom they live Like a fool But if I turn the wrong road Away I want to pull Because the vessel of the iniquity Never yet fold I wonder if I will see tomorrow Living in this world of conflicts and sorrows Bodies lay cold And gunmen strike bold And wicked people work to sleeping off like an arrow I wonder if I will see tomorrow Living in this world of conflicts and sorrows Bodies lay cold As gunmen strike bold And wicked people work is taking off Oh yes The turning concern is no longer there They're filled with the medicine We bomb and prepare Instruments of cruelty Presents everywhere Strong enough to take a life But not enough to care Of the wrong gets dark I expect anything I know Not many enemies So it leaves no one Be you, we could be I to all them set the system. Them kill without a cause. What is the meaning? So no one knows what tomorrow may bring. I'm not sure if I will live to see tomorrow. Living in this world of conflicts and sorrows. Bodies lay gold as young men strike bold. And the wicked people work is taking off like an arrow. I wonder if I will see tomorrow. Living in this world of conflicts and sorrows. Bodies lay gold as gunmen strike. And selfishness Overload with bitterness and wrath So I have to seek to keep Myself away From the wicked and the road they walk Oh yes, them slow seeds of conflict They want to see me trick But that not the best of my heart Because I dwell in a desire And do what is right Don't want it to be said that I never pay my part I derive with enemies And I am my brother's sleep What have I done? Them no want to see me prosper Push on this load as they make it heavy And yeah, it's only sorrow The wicked have to offer I wonder if I will see tomorrow Living in this world of World of sure. I wonder if I will see tomorrow Living in this world of Conflicts and sorrows Bodies lay cold as gunmen strike bold And the wicked people work is taking off Like an arrow I wonder if I will see tomorrow Living in this world of conflicts and sorrows Bodies lay cold as gunmen strike bold And the wicked people work is taking off I'm not afraid to die But trying to live until then It's not hard for you to guess What will happen next All takes and pain Works of ungodliness Some don't know why them are live That's why them have to work the flesh But who are they? Tell me Once I represent I struggle with fear As I experience So them do them dirty work So which I resent And no one but them I'm gonna face the consequence Them build walls instead of bridges It ridicule Then worry to like a fool, but if I turn the wrong road Away I want to pull because the vessel of the iniquity never yet I'm not sure if I will live to see tomorrow Living in this world of conflicts and sorrows